Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. Shir, as we'll hopefully be doing for many, many years to come, is the schuster for Shalema. Eliza Shlam is Bracha Basrachal Hinder. She should merit miraculous, miraculous healings and merit to take her children to the Chuppah. Pasha's Tiruma, a nondescript Shabbos. And today, of course, Rishchidish other. And I can't use the expression I wanted to use because then it would confuse everybody. But it's the first day of Rishchidish Adar, which would be referred to as Aleph to Rishchidish Adar. Don't get confused. don't get concerned. It's not Rishchidish Adar Aleph. It's Aleph to Rishchidish Adar. There's only one other this year. The next other that you will face here will be Nissan. <laughs> we'll be facing Pesach. Right now, it's Shchedesh Adar, and Emir Hashem Abalin Leteva. In two weeks from now, will be Purim, and it would be a quite interesting feat if we pull off a shear that night. Between all our Megillah readings, Parshas Truma, a fundamental parsha, as we know. This is the truma which you should take from them. But most importantly, the famous posuk which we hear and we live by, Make for me a migdash and dwell amongst them. And of course, is Lashen Rabim, migdash is Lashen Yachid. Migdash is singular and Seicham is plural. Says the Alter Rebbe, B'Seicham refers to B'Seich, Kol Echad Ve'Echad. Each and every person has to make themselves a Migdosh Ma'at. Reish Chedesh, of course you need to speak about the month of Adar. Mishenichnas Adar Marbim B'Simcha. As other comes in, we add in Simcha. <laughs> Unfortunately, tomorrow we have a uh, community funeral, an 89-year-old Yid. Abzalman Galerente used to have the hat store on King's Avenue, Kesser Hats. Very Erlecha Yid, as we call him. Edla Erlecha Yid. His wife passed away two years ago. Also, this time of the year, January. The Zalman said Kaddish. The Rebbe told him to open a shul on his block. He gave a name of the shul that it should go. I don't remember what it was. The Zalman opened the shul and people come to daven in that area. Every minion, every davening of Zalman always said Kaddish. For years and years and years. Finally, someone got up the... Gusto. It's a tell me of Zalman Favaz Zaktir Kaddish. Why do you constantly, do you have a yard set every day? What is it that you're saying? Who are you saying Kaddish for so, so long? And he said, I lived through the concentration camps. And I saw Yidin die every single day. And I am very sure. They had nobody to say Kaddish for them. Every day people died. Every day was a yard site. And therefore I say Kaddish for those Nishamas. Every day of the year. He used to say every day of the year he would say Kaddish. He was always saying Kaddish. <coughs> it takes a Jew like him to be able to continue such a legacy continue such a thing and I don't know anybody that 
I have in my family that survived Holocaust live anymore that would undertake such a thing. <laughs> but back to the Chedish other, the happiness of Chedish other, Mishnikhas other, Marbim Besimcha. And this Shabbos being a nondescript Shabbos. Last Shabbos had a lot of titles to it. Running away with titles. We didn't know where to put the headline. It was Shabbos Mevorchim. It was Pashish Mishpatim. It was Shabbos Pashish Kolim. Wow. Full. He said Mevorchim. Full titles. The, 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 the headlines were, were long. This Shabbos is not in the script. This Shabbos is Pashish Truma. Full stop. Let's just do a quick review of the four parshiyos. The Shkolim, Zacher, Chedesh, and Pora. <coughs> Shkolim and Zacher have nothing to do with one another. Shkolim is either Shabbos Mevarchim or Chedesh other. This year was Shabbos Mevarchim other. Zacher is the Shabbos before Purim. However, the third, which is Pasha Chedesh, is the Shabbos or Chedesh Nisan. And Pora, the fourth, is the Shabbos after Chedesh. So Pora and Chedesh are actually in essence connected. And this year, of course, we're going to meet Hashem Abolino talk about it. Billy Nether, Chedesh, we have three Sifrei Teda this year. Because Pasha Chedesh, since this Resh Chedesh other is Thursday and Friday, that means that Shabbos, that Resh Chedesh Nisan is Shabbos. Every month it goes off one day of the week. So it's Shabbos. So it'll be Shabbos Resh Chedesh, it'll be Shabbos Ha Chedesh, and the Parsha. So it'll have three sefritera mitzvahim. So we have what to look forward to, but it's not this week. This week is nothing. One sefritera. What? Oh. Pesach in the Holy Land. Yeah. Inshallah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So today. So this Shabbos, as we said, is a nondescript Shabbos. It was simply a Shabbos Parshas Tiruma. The month of Adar. We all know the month of Adar is Mishinich Besimcha, so happy, so joyful. Who would imagine that really the month of Adar is a very intense, severe month? Month of Adar really is the last month of the year, counting Chedesh Nisan as the first month. We know that there's a mitzvah, Pashas Kolom teaches us about the mitzvah of Pashas of Machzah Shekel. The Machzah Shekel, the half a shekel that they gave, was in order to buy the Karbonus Atzibur. The sacrifices that were bought from that were given from the nation in public, not a private achatas and Ela. Oh, wonderful. The Karbanis Sibur was the Karbanis that the sacrifices that everybody was from the nation. Connection is lost to the internet. <sighs> Back. Shkolim, Yimara tells us, the reason for Shkolim 
The reason they gave the Shkolem was because that Haman measured 10,000 Kikar Kesef. Counteracting his Shkolem, his money that he wanted to give to have the Jews destroyed, that's why we give Machsas HaShekel. What was Haman thinking? What was Haman dreaming about here? When he thought that he could hurt the Jews that month. Haman, in essence, had a slew of stargazers, astrologists. And they saw that a lot of true things in the stars. Obviously it was not done through Kedusha, through anything holy, but they saw. No. <coughs> they looked in the stars and they saw there's a problem with Chedesh Shadr. They saw Chedesh Shadr as a severe month for the Jews. Sorry about that. So, they told him on this. We in turn counter this decree with the Matzah Shekel, but more importantly with Simcha. And if Papa says, if a Yid has any kind of litigation with a non-Jew, it should be done a Chedesh other, not a Chedesh of. And so too, if any exams have to be taken, Chedesh other is a good month to be taken, and everything will go over Bishalom Bishalva. And therefore we say there's no month that's besimcha like the month of other based on based on that the way we overcome the trials and tribulations and the severity of Chedesh other is by adding simcha. And because we add simcha that's why we're able to overcome everything that Chedesh other stands for. What were the lots? Why did he draw these lots? What came out of Chedesh Other? Whatever the grief and mourning that he found, his astrologers found, the Yidin turned over. And this is the Venahapachu. This is what the Yidin actually turned over <coughs> the entire essence of the month. So, whereas the month really was, they were not off the mark when they said this. And since we were able to do this, since the Mahapachu was done, therefore this month has become a month of joy, and the joyous, most joyous month of the year. Zayin Adar, the seventh day of Adar, is Meisha Rabbeinu's birthday. He also passed away on Zayin Adar 120 years later. And this is something that's called Yemecha. Yemecha, your whole years. When the Almighty com- says that you've completed your days, this is called complete days. Complete days refers to when a person lives as born and passes away on the same day, and therefore they have their full cycle in their life. There are those people, the righteous people, Anshith, Maisa, that fast on Zion other. Why? It's called the Tikkun for the seventh of other. Special prayers that they say. Because the day of it, the passing of a tzaddik, the, the yard of a tzaddik, is a day of kapora, a day of chuva, a day of tainus, 
the day of Tefillah, all to forgive the Jewish nation. <coughs> In a leap year, where there's two others, the first and the second of other usually, but those are first both. Uh, let's not go into it. We don't usually find many people that do that anyway. Sure there are, but not usually in our circles. One needs to take, of course, therefore to heart on Zion other, which is all to be discussed next week. All that took about, all that happened with the birth of Mesha Rabbeinu. So in essence, next, son, next Wednesday, Mi Hashem will be Zayin Adar, which we'll be able to talk about all the minogim and customs of Zayin Adar. Let us turn now back to the parsha. Meish Rabbeinu becomes the world's greatest fundraiser. He needs to fundraise for the temple, for the tabernacle. They needed gold, silver, copper. Now it's obvious there was no lack of gold, silver, and copper. The Jews were blessed with plenty. And we've spoken before. What is meat <laughs> chop me we've spoken before the Nesim the heads of each Shavit taught us a major lesson the repercussions of procrastination. Now, how many times has someone said, let's do something and say, a few minutes. There was a, uh, the society of procrastination, and procrastination, has uh, procrastination anonymous. So obviously it's a disease procrastinating. You have these people, they push it, procrastinate everything. So they have a, uh, a group, a group session, just like they have for alcohol and for drugs. They have procrastinators, you know, anonymous. And they are holding their meeting next week. They were supposed to be held last week. Um, but also not so sure. Now what? So the Nesim said, you know what? There's a lot that has to be donated here. There's a lot of gold and silver and copper for the beams and for the for the Arin and for the Kalim and for the Mishkin and for... There's so much that needs to be donated. And then there's the curtains and the covers and the... Let the Jews bring their donations first and then we'll bring us... Not only will bring ours will be so fatherly and, and holy, we will be mashlim. We will complete everything that they don't bring. <coughs> so in other words, if the if there was an, an allotment that each person had to bring, they said we have no problem, whatever you have to bring, bring, and we'll take care of the rest. They were mitzvah boys. What they didn't realize was that the Yidin were very, very generous and very, very interested in having the Mishkin built. And they gave, and they gave to such an extent that Moshe had to scream, Enough! Stop! Please! I can't anymore. But the Nesim hadn't given yet. 
So the Nesim lost out. Like procrastinating, they lost out. There was no opportunity for them to give. There was no need for them to give. And it was a big loss for them. Many different things that were used. Many different materials that were used. One of the materials that we use is atzei shitim, acacia wood. Kuntur zumayin beis Hashem, the kuntur from the Rebbe Rashab, is based on the atzei shitim. Not based on it per se, but the concept of the atzei shitim. Shittim, he says, is Lashen Shtus. Folly. A person would not sin unless a spirit of folly enters in him. A foolishness. For a person knows and realizes that every sin that one commits, they sever their attachment to God? Who would want to do such a thing? Who would want to harm themselves to such an extent to sever, God forbid, their connection? And therefore, only a shtus, only a voice, a folly can enter one's mind that would do that. They needed gold, they needed silver, they needed copper, fine. The Jews had it. They took out of Egypt. They got later by the Bezos Hayam, by the riches of the Egyptians, when they spit out by the Yamsuf. The Jews were loaded in that. Atze Shittim? Where did they get the wood from? They were in a desert. Many different opinions. Some say they bought it. They went in the desert to local Gentile merchants and bought some acacia wood. Hello, you got any atzeshitim? Sure, come to my atzeshitim store. Some say that they went into the forest and they got it there. Nearby forests, I mean, nearby forests are a little awkward to think they were traveling in a desert here, you know. I don't know how many people have noticed forests in the desert. Rashi takes a different position. His internet is going crazy tonight. Rashi takes a totally different position. Rashi says, when Bnei Yisrael left Mitzrayim, they left with a bunch of wood, acacia wood. It was ready and waiting to be collected for the Mishkan. What's Rashi's source? How does Rashi know this? Rashi quotes a medrash, and in the Medrash, the Medrash quotes Rabbi Tanchuma. Rabbi Tanchuma says, Our forefather Yaakov foresaw with Ruach HaKedish, with divine inspiration, that Bnei Yisrael were destined to build a Mishkan in the desert. So when Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim, He took with him the Atzei Shittim. What did I know? He took with him the Atzei Shittim.
And he took the Atzeshitim to Egypt. And he, so the Yidin would have it when they left Egypt. Yaakov's foresight. His Nevoah. Aside from that whole Navua business, what's the mind you found? What occurred to him to schlep, to trouble himself to bring these trees <coughs> with him from Israel and plant them in Mitzrayim? Why couldn't he just rely on the Jews buying it in Fartik? Going to a nearby forest and getting it. We have to also understand when it comes to a Medrash, to a Gemara, to an explanation. If Rashi doesn't simply quote the person by stating what he said, but quotes him with his name, Aime B'Shem Aimri, aside from the fact that Aime B'Shem Aimri may be Aside for the fact that someone that quotes somebody by saying their name, using their name, brings redemption into the world. All that aside, there's a lesson from the name itself. We are talking here of Rabbi Tanchuma. Tanchuma is a Lashen Nechama. Consolation. Yaakov was aware that they could have gotten this a case he would anywhere. wasn't such a rare commodity. Nevertheless, he brought along with them, along these trees, replanted them in Mitzrayim, with a message. The message was, Tayyari Kinder. You should know You're going to go to Mitzrayim. You're going to be slaves. It's going to be a bitter exile. But you should know that the Abish that promises is taking you out. And by seeing every time they saw these trees... This gave them comfort. This was the visible icon that reminded them and proved to them that the promise of redemption truly existed. They would be freed by the command to go out and to build the Mishkan. So these very trees that Yaakov brought from Eretzisol, the Holy Land was a constant and visible reminder of Hashem's promise Gam I will also raise you up. Even while in Egypt, in Yisrael the Jews would look at the trees and remember the children of Yaakov would one day return to the land of Israel. And this is also based on the quote of who is saying this, of Rabbi Tanchuma.
the many different vessels that needed to be made. Amongst them was the Orin, the Ark. On the Ark, they needed to put Shnei Keruvim Zohov. Pasik tells us, chapter 25, verse 18. And Rashi explains, Kruvim, These Kruvim had the face of a child. And these two children stood on top of the other and facing each other. The Medish in Devaram Rabbah says, Melech Bonim Harbe, a king that had many children, and he loved the youngest more than anyone. From all the nations that I created, I only love the Jews. Shinemar, as it says, Kinar Yisrael Yisrael is the youngest, and I love him, my love, beloved. So the love to the Almighty, to the Jews, is comparison to a father and his youngest son. In the Sifri Chassidus it's brought down. The reason the love of a father to the youngest child, Afka, is because the love of a father and a son is not because the greatness of the son, his brilliance, his attributes, etc., because he's simply his son, he's part of him. <coughs> and therefore the father loves him. Ava Aza. But this stresses itself mostly with the youngest. The oldest son proved himself already, his chokhmah, his midas, etc., So it's possible that the oldest son is loved because of his capabilities, but more than anything else, basically it's because of being a son. But the Ben Cotton, the youngest one who has not yet proven himself as a genius, as a prodigy, etc., we see that the love to him is unconditional. Just plain because you're my child. And the same thing is the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Yidin. It's not just because the Jews are so great, the Jews are so special, the Jews keep the Tater, they do the mitzvahs, they're smart, <coughs> their attributes, their behavior, etc., the love is equivalent to a father to his youngest child. That it's simply pure, unadulterated love. 
Their souls are part of God Himself. That's why we understand now the Kruvim had the face of a Tinuk, of a young child. This epitomized the love of the Almighty, the great love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to His children. Similar to the love of the father to his youngest child. An elderly Belza Chosid once told a story. I don't know if he was in the Belza Bismadrish, if he was in Shul, or he was elsewhere in his neighborhood. And there was a young man, as he called him, maybe 40 years old. Bear in mind, they get married at 18. Said 40 already there. Established. And this 40 year old was talking about Lubavitch, about the Chsidim, about the Mivtsoyim, about the Rebbe. And he was not being complimentary, shall we say. And this older Belzachasa told him, I don't know what you know what you're talking about, but you better stop it. And he insisted and continued and continued, and the more this older Chasa tried to dissuade him, the worse he got. The older Chasa saw he was getting nowhere, he walked away, and that was it. He went in peace. This 40-year-old had a child, a boy prodigy, 19, 18, 20, whatever he was, who was a very, very learned bacha, a big, <coughs> big masmid, sat and he learned day and night. And you looked at this boy, he davened and he learned, it was such a, a pleasure to see, it was nachas. Short while after this um, fellow was so blatant speaking against the Rebbe and against Chabad, the son suddenly the son suddenly started to get different ideas in his mind and he started acting different his learning started slacking off his behavior started acting up and Ultimately, he decided that davening was no longer important, learning was no longer important. His lavush, his garment was no longer important. Nothing was important anymore. And he picked himself up, he left everything behind. He went off to Tel Aviv. He went off to Tel Aviv, and there he enjoyed the nightlife. There he enjoyed... what went on, the whole night scene and the fellows, the going the happening, it was a happening place come what may the family was very very upset obviously and they tried to dissuade him and they tried to get him back home there was nothing to talk about they came and the boy decided that Tel Aviv life is boring it's still small town. He needs to graduate to the big country, to the big stuff, and that would be New York. And so off to New York he went. In New York, 
He was living an extremely secular life. You did not see that this was a Belzer Chassid in his first life. And in New York, he was walking the street one day when this Nudnik, a Lubavitch walked over and said, Excuse me, are you Jewish? And in his very, very prominent Israeli accent said, No, leave me alone. I am not Jewish. Bacha heard the accent and realized, No, 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 Mr. Don't, don't go there. And they went back and forth, and the fellow said, Get away from me, leave me alone. A few weeks later, he's walking the streets of Manhattan elsewhere, and again, no more, no less, the same Bacha approaches him and says, Excuse me, are you Jewish? He didn't recognize him, obviously. And again, he got the same shake off, and he realized, Whoa, 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 this guy's Jewish. And again he tried to persist, and again he was not successful. But a third time he was walking in the streets of Manhattan, and he walked by a mitzvah tank. It's big, beautiful camper, music playing. <laughs> Who pops out of the jack-in-the-box the same bacha? He pops out and he sees him and he says, Excuse me, are you Jewish? He says, oh, no, he starts screaming at him. What are you, chasing me all over Manhattan? You're stalking me? Bacha didn't recognize him even. He says, please, just come put on film. And the guy was adamant, there's no way he's putting on. And the Bacha used a different twist. He said, listen to me, it's freezing out here. And I'm out here for hours. I keep running inside to the midst of the tank to try to defrost. Not one person agreed to put on film today. You know what it's like to stand out here and do nothing? Zero success? Please put on film just so I shouldn't feel like a shmata. He has no idea what made him agree. He went into the midst of the tank and put on film. They got into conversation. They started discussing things. Because the boy saw that his fellow took the tefillin, put them on by himself, and davened. He didn't just say Shema. And he knew how to daven this guy. So the Bacha saw that he's got who to talk to. And they got into conversation and learning. He went to the Bacher invited his guide for Shabbos. And the guy said, alright. And he came to the Karnites for Shabbos. Once and twice and thrice. Obviously and inevitably. His Jewish flame was rekindled. And about a year or so since he left home, he returned home unscathed. His beard, his payas were back. His lavush, his garments was back. And he was standing by his father's door knocking. The father opened the door, saw his son and embraced him. He kissed him, he brought him into the house. The joy was immeasurable. Zugma, what happened? Tell me what brought you back. And the son told him the whole story. The streets of Manhattan are full of tumor, full of impurities. But there's one thing that purifies the streets of Manhattan. The Chabad Chassidim that are relentless and they throw their own selves under a bus they don't care they stand in disregard of their own well-being of their own health and they stand there and they wait to look to put on tefillin with a fellow Jew and he explained how he put on tefillin 
And now he went for Shabbos, and the whole thing evolved. And here I am, Tata, I'm back. Immediately, the dime fell in. It rang. The bell started to go off in his brain. As soon as I spoke against the Rebbe, and against his Chassidim, this Ruach this folly went into my son's head, and my son went totally away from Yiddishkeit. But even though I did that to the Rebbe, the Rebbe saw to it that I got my child back. I'm indebted totally to the Rebbe. I need to go see the Rebbe and apologize. And he books his ticket and he comes to America and he stood before the Rebbe and he started to cry. All he wanted to say was, thank you, I'm sorry. But he couldn't talk. He was so overcome with emotion. And looking in the Rebbe's eyes, realizing what kind of stupid fool he was. Did God forbid talk against the Nasi Adir? <coughs> when he finally was composed, the Rebbe said to him, Do you remember the pain you felt when your son went off the road, off the path? Of course. And do you remember the joy you had when he returned? He says, Most definitely. The Rebbe says, I have that pain every single time a Jew in the Jewish nation goes off the path. And I have that joy every time they come back. Each and every Jew in the world to me, says the Rebbe, is like that one son to you. So now, says the Rebbe, do you understand why our campaign is the way it is to satisfy my pain to (coughs) alleviate, sorry my pain and to satisfy my honor, my pleasure of seeing this Jewish child return to its fold V'yasu l'imigdash v'shachanti b'seicham b'seich kol echad v'yechad The Mineda was constructed. And the Gemara says, And the Gemara answers, No, it was not needed for light. The Mineda was made Miksha Achas, one piece. But the candles, the tops, there's a machlekes. There's a dispute for those keeping score at home. Mesechtus Menachis, Peiches Amit Beis, 88, side 2. Some say that the candles were one part, Miksha, and some of the opinion that the Nedes were not part of the Menedes itself. Because the natives were placed on top of the Kanehamineda, on top of the poles. Rashi and the Teda does not say this. And many times we discussed when Rashi doesn't explain something, and he doesn't find a hint to this explanation somewhere else. It's because he feels there's no reason to explain. And he goes according to the simple explanation of the Pasuk. <coughs> so in other words, Rashi Shita, that the Nadas, the candles, were not one with the Nadas. <laughs> F- 
First of all, why? Because there's a separate commandment on making Nedes Hamenedah. After the, all the explaining of the Meneda itself, it then says, Shiva. Then Neda is seven have to be made. When it talks about Kafterer, Prachel, Kanael, all one. all one piece. After all said and done, Vasisas Nedesel. Telling us that these Nedes were something different, they were a separate entity. Like the Malkachah and Machtesel for the Shulchan. Sorry, for the Meneda. The other, the shovels and all these things they needed for the Meneda were separate Kalim. Secondly, in Pashpakude, when it talks again about the Meneda, it says, as Hamenera, as Nereseha. The Meneda, the candles. Each one is a separate S. And since the Pasuk enumerates the candles apart from the Meneda, therefore Rashi bases that as a simple explanation to say that they were not part of the Meneda. A Pareiches was made. So Rashi says Pareiches. You don't understand, my child, what a parechas is? Loshin mechitzahu. It's like a mechitza, a separation. Uboloshin chachamim. And the words of the chachamim will say, pargud. Ki shamaiti meachere a pargud, said Abishmal. I heard from behind the wall. Something that separates, Dover hamavdul min hamelech. Something separating the king and his nation. What's Rashi telling us? That it's a mechitza. We know the Perech has separated Kedish and Kedish Kedoshim. Holy and the Holy of Holies. So if we know that that was what it is, obviously it's a mechitza. What's he answering? What's he telling us here? But if we look through the scriptures, we look through the psukim, we see the word parechas is used in different texts. In our Pasha it says, parechas was used to separate the holy and the holy of holies. Afterwards in Pekude it says, when it commands the setting up of the Mishkan, the Sabdasham Arin as Arinaidus place the Arinaidus in the <coughs> the Holy of Holies. Visake says, Allah Arin is Aparechas, and on top of that you will cover it with the Parechas. And when it's making of the Mishkan, it also says there, Vayasim is Parechas Hamasach, Vayasach is Arinaidus. So it was something that went above the Arin. So the Psukim Avisa are telling us there's two types of Perechas. One that separated the Kedish and the Kedish Kedashim. And one that was a Masach that covered over and a cover for the Mishra, the Arun. So we have to perhaps say that this is what Rashi is letting us know in this explanation. It's not a question the Perechas were two different types. There was a havdul, there was something that separated Kedish Kedish Kedashim, and there was a masach for the Aram. But the main source, the main concept of Parecha, says Rashi, is it's a concept of Mechitza. And that's why he explains the word Parecha, because that's what he's looking to explain here. That it means a Mechitza. And the Rashi, when the Pasik says it's a mosach, it's a cover on the Aaron, 
That's because the Pereiches causes another, another, another idea. It also covers over the Aron. And this is what Rashi says, Allah is Rashi explains, it's a protection. It was a machitza between the outside world and the Aron. The Aron itself had poles stuck in the rings. In the rings of the Aron you put in the poles and another you have a, that's a mitzvah sasei and then there's a mitzvah lei sasei leyasuru mimenu they shall not be removed. Chapter 25 verse 15 Sefer HaChinuch Mitzvah Tzadik Vov 96 explains that the reason that the poles needed to be wedged in to the rings all the time and never be removed is they should be ready for travel. They'll always be firmly fastened in place, and therefore always ready for travel. If they weren't as such, says the Sefer HaChinuch, when the Jews needed to travel, you would need to put them in, and make sure they're locked in properly, and check them, because if not, God forbid, it'll slip. The idea that the Aron needs to be mobile, needs to be always ready for travel, is a lesson to us. The Aron housed the Luchas. And the Luchas had inscribed within them the entire Teda. As the sages explain. That all 630 mitzvahs of the Torah are incorporated in the Ten Commandments that are carved in the Luchas. So therefore the Oren is a metaphor for Torah study. This Torah study is something that makes home for the Torah's wisdom in a person's mind and heart. But the study, study of Torah requires... Intense concentration. A person needs to detach themselves from whatever else they're doing so that they can study and devote their time to the Tata. This too is comparable to the Oren. The Oren was hidden away in the Kedish HaKadoshim, in the Holy of Holies. This is off limits except for the Kain Godel once a year in Kippur. But on the other hand, the Aaron teaches us one must be ready, must be readily mobile. Even while engrossed in Taylor's study, the person needs to know that the person has to have the readiness, the willingness to embark, if necessary, to bring Taylor to any Jew that has not reached yet with Teda, the person needs to know that he has to be ready to go. And this is the idea, this is the concept of the poles, <coughs> being thoroughly embedded, so that it's always mobile, so that a Jew knows that he has to always be mobile, and available for a fellow Jew, even if he's sitting and studying Teda, like the Mitzvah Rebbe was studying in Teda, and didn't hear the baby fell out of the crib, and his father, the Alter Rebbe, goes to take the baby, pick him up, and brings him to the father and says, the child's cry must always be heard and hearkened to. <laughs> and so too, a person needs to always be ready to help 
a fellow Jew with Teda and Mitzvahs, even if at the cost of his own study of Teda. So therefore we should merit that this week we should be the also the Mikdash, we should make the Beis HaMikdash Ashlishi, and the Sidareinu, Bireishenu, Mashiach Tzidkeinu, taking us out of the Golos, this very Shabbos, not a moment, not a moment later, before Shabbos yet, on Rish and we should dance the Simcha of Rish and Yehovchu Yom Elu. These days now, because of an Ahapachu, have been turned over to days of Simcha Vesasein, the happiest days of the year. Shabbat Shalom to all.